The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This is the Business Locker Room Show with Kelly Riggs. In business, you have to play to win. You need an edge. You'll find that edge in the Business Locker Room. Hey, business is like sports, and I want to bring the locker room to the boardroom. Giving you the playbook and the coaching you need to improve your business performance. With compelling interviews, cutting-edge business tactics and ideas, and the X's and O's segment with Miles Austin. I welcome in my good friend, Miles Austin. Welcome to the Business Locker Room. Now, here is your host, Kelly Riggs. Hey, welcome into Biz Locker Radio. Great to have you on board as we start yet another episode, and it's brought to you by the Business Locker Room. Also, by Rehearsal VRP. Really excited to have those guys on board as a part of our show. And uh, we're dealing with some technical issues again, Oren. I I think the commonality is Oren. This time, I'm getting the big echo in my headphones, and i got to figure all that out. But hey, it's great to have you with us. If you're joining us uh, for the first time, it's great to have you. Is it the metal plate in your head? Uh, It could be that, too. (laughs) Hey, by the way. We are on Blab. You'll want to join us live on Blab. You can find me on Blab, blab.im slash Kelly Riggs. You'll find us there. And, man, there is all kinds of things going on. But, hey, I want to tell you about this show. This is episode number 76, and it does feature, hey, Oren, how do you say your last name? Clough. Clough. Okay, I, I can't believe you didn't correct me last time. I said cloth every time. I, I'm going to go back and blame the guys at SealFit for that. You didn't get the uh, anthrax in the envelope that I sent? <laughs> uh, well, it was just a familiar-looking white powder. Yes. I wasn't sure what it was. <laughs> <laughs> hey, by the way, episode number 76. It's Biz Locker Radio. And if you uh, own a business, sell a product, manage a team, lead a company, this is definitely the show for you. One of the most incredible shows you'll find on the podcast is Circuit. You're talking about the best there is in sales, social media, business strategy, leadership, and much, much more. Some of the shows we've had on the past several weeks, Joe Polizzi last week. He's the founder of the Content Creation Institute. Mike Weinberg was on with his brand new book, Simplifying Sales Management. Trish Bertuzzi, Mark Hunter, Jeb Blunt, his brand new book as well, Fanatical Prospecting. Today, we turn our attention back to Oren Claff. He was with us back... I'm trying to remember, uh, 67, I think it was, Uh, but he has written a fantastic book called Pitch Anything. You want to find him online at Pitch Anything on Twitter, and of course, you can find his website, pitchanything.com. Hey, Oren, great to have you back. Hey, Kelly, it's good to be back, and I can't believe you've done 76 uh, shows. I have not done 76 of anything in my entire life. You are a stick-to-it individual. (laughs) I give up much more easily. (laughs) 
No, that's not true. You're closing $76 million deals on a regular basis. Uh, we, we are, but uh, you know, we still give up easily. <laughs> well, I just refuse to give up. Hey, right. if you missed the first show with Oren, first things first, go buy the book. It was uh, published in 2010. It's called Pitch Anything, and it's absolutely a phenomenal book. And by the way, I'm underselling Oren substantially. He's done a number of $400 million deals, much less $76 million deals. So he's been around the block. He's made some world-class pitches to the big guys. And we want to find out what the secrets are, and they're all contained in pitch and anything. And um, before we get started, what's going on in your world? So I think more of the same, right? People come in and they need money or they need to sell big projects, and uh, you know they ask us to help them. So a guy walks in the door, he says, "Hey, my company's doing seventy-five million dollars in revenue. Uh, we're doing twenty-five million dollars in profit. We have two hundred and fifty employees." And it's now time to sell the company. Can you help us? So of course we say yes. Now, what? <laughs> so w when I think about it, you say, hey, uh, the, the secrets of selling or raising money or this. I mean, what jumps to my mind is where do secrets come from, right? And this is why I do a show like this, or write a book, or go on the internet, or or, or expose myself in any. Now I mean exposed, but exposed. Sure. Uh, in in uh, only a few presentations have I actually dropped from my pants. <laughs> Just because well, no, that was not on tight enough. But so, where do secrets come from, right? So, I think if, if you're the uh, North Face company, right, and you wear some clothing and you climb up Mount Everest and you go, it's cold and the jackets don't work in this temperature or water comes in, and you go back and fix it. But you learn about real insight in extreme situations, in cage fighting, in this is why they do auto racing. Right? Why do the factories spend hundreds of millions of dollars auto racing? It's not necessarily profitable. Right? It's because they learn how to advance the technology in extreme environments, tires, engines, motors. So, you know, I think uh, as opposed to sort of selling TVs or selling cars, which is all, or selling furniture or selling networking software, which is all legitimate, great, uh, profitable, good business, we put ourselves in extreme situations where it we don't succeed, companies can get wiped out. Hundreds of millions of dollars of market share can be evaporated. And that is high pressure, high stakes circumstances where you cannot screw up. So when you get in these circumstances, situations, you learn what actually works without fail. You don't get to try, you only get to do, or you don't survive very long. So I think that's where secrets come from, especially in pitching, selling, closing, negotiating. You know, the show that we did with Oren, I think, again, number 67, you need to go download it on iTunes, do like I do. In fact, I listened to the show again uh, as I was out on a commute, and, and I remember so many good things that came out of that. But it, there, there's a couple of things that strike me from our conversation that struck other people. So many people said, man, Oren was fantastic, but he's selling $400 million deals. Man, I, I sell thousand dollar equipment or I sell widgets you know how, how does what he's talking about apply to me and I got to tell you I think I was I was shocked because everything we talked about I thought applied to everything that we did but what, how would you answer that question here's how it apply I think the human psychology is exactly the same if you listen to the last one we probably said you know people want what they can't have they chase that which moves away from them and they only value that which they pay for if you're selling a TV, a birthday cake, or you're selling a jet fighter, it doesn't matter. 
Those are the same human principles, right? So I think what people are saying, hey, it doesn't apply to me because people in smaller dollar amounts in less high-stakes situations are more polite. Yes. So the world I live in, people are very abrupt, very rude, very direct, and you see the impact of your um, uh, flaws immediately. It's right, so we could be pitching a deal, we're going along, we get to a sticking point, uh, we mention something that doesn't work for them, and they go, hey guys, sorry, we didn't know XYZ, we're out. Thanks for coming, uh, you could pick up a drink on your way out, we're gonna go to another meeting, good luck with your deal. Right, if you're selling, um, you know, uh, sort of uh, uh, server system, you know, they're a thousand or two thousand dollars. You're selling an Apple store, right? It is unlikely that the customer is that abrupt and rude, but he's experiencing the same thing. I don't fully understand what it is. I'm confused at this point. Uh, I'm not that excited about it. I feel like I could get it just about anywhere, and I don't really see any need to buy it today because it doesn't seem scarce. So I'm not going to do it. Right? That's just going on inside their mind. The only difference is they're not overtly saying that, but they're thinking it. Right? And you can, if, if, if you pay attention, you can pick up on those signals. What are they? They're checking a text. I can tell you in my presentations, nobody checks text messages. <laughs> Take phone calls from their wife. Because they feel like if they do that, not out of respect for me, nobody cares. Right? They, if they feel like if they do that, they're going to miss something that I'm saying right? because they know I do a short-form presentation. A lot happens very quickly, and it's insightful and important. So they feel if they take a phone call, do a text, that they're going to miss something that's important to their business life, right? But, yeah. but if you see people doing those signals, it's the same as they're saying, hey, look, it's not for me. I'm confused. I feel like uh, I'm, uh, I need some more time to look at the competition, and I can't make a decision today. So they may not be saying that. Uh, a couple looks at the watch, the, uh, checking the iPhone. Leaning, you know, I'm not a big body language guy, but leaning back, looking around, uh, you know, asking unrelated questions, or or trying to shift the topic away from from you know exactly what you're selling. Those are all signals that you've achieved a point of confusion. You're losing attention, and that you need some uh, do some of the things that you know you and I have been talking about. Sure. Well, it's, it's really interesting when you get into this situation. What we talked about last time by way of introduction, we worked through fame control, frame control and status. And you talked a lot about just the silly things that salespeople do to get started right out of the shoot that puts them in that unequal position. And it really bores people. You, you talked about the three parts of the brain and how we start delivering information right away. And people can't process it yet because we haven't made the transition to the third part of the brain. Do a quick review of that as well. Well, yeah, I mean, maybe we'll do it in a slightly different way so we're not repeating ourselves. But if you think about it, what you're doing as a salesperson is telling somebody a story about a product and how their life is going to be better once they own it. You know, even if you're selling network monitoring software, right, you're going to, uh, if you buy a $250,000 network monitoring software for your website, right, you're uh, going to sleep better at night knowing the site's not going to go down, the shopping carts aren't going to crash that you're not uh, going to be hacked by Chinese hackers or you know, whatever the case is. So, so those are the benefits, right? So you're, you know, what you're doing is you're doing attraction, tension, satisfaction, Okay. right? So attraction is easy for everybody. You do place the hooks, right? Uh, our software monitoring system is five times cheaper than anything ever before. That's the attraction, right? Um, but 
But what salespeople forget is the tension. They're always being nice or saying they're sorry or how can they help or we really appreciate the meeting, we hope to make a decision. Right? By introducing tension, the buyer knows he cannot just have it anytime he wants it and it forces him to pay attention. Right? So, so attraction is easy, all salespeople do that naturally. But tension is, uh, there's a couple things. Letting the buyer know he doesn't own us as the salesperson. He doesn't have all the power. He doesn't have all the control. That we are peers. When you let the buyer know that you, the, that you and as a salesperson and he as a buyer are peers, uh, you've introduced tension. He's not used to that. Right. Okay. So very simple. We can talk about very simple ways to do that. Is say, hey, I'm glad we could find a time to meet with each other. You're busy. I'm busy. And finally getting together, and it's good for you and I. That's just a very simple, easy, fair way to introduce tension and let the buyer know that you're evaluating him as much as he's evaluating you. Uh, Absolutely. So, the, right, the other ways are then to, to implement a time constraint. So what happens is most buyers will walk into somebody's office. If, if the salesperson, sorry, if, if the, uh, the salesperson walks in the buyer's office, right, if the buyer doesn't kick him out at some point, they'll stay there for an hour, two hours, three hours. They'll never leave, right? Because I feel the longer we're talking, the longer we're allowed on premise, the more we're selling. Right. So if you come in and you say, listen, super busy. I carved out about an hour today. That's all the time any buyer has anyway. <laughs> right. I've carved out about an hour. I'm going to try and get through it. In 30 minutes, give you you know a little time for Q&A and talk. But if I can clear out by 10:40, that'd be great. I'm extremely busy. Good for you. Let's get started. That is something that salespeople rarely say, and buyers would love to hear. This guy is a professional. He's busy. He has his sales presentation organized. It's less than an hour. He's not going to stay here way beyond uh, the time schedule. I'm not going to have to, as a buyer, ask him to wrap up and leave. And he is a professional who knows what he's doing. When the salesperson signals to the buyer, I'm a professional, I know what I'm doing, I know the agenda, I've got a prepared presentation, there's times for me to talk, there's times for you to talk, let's go through it, then the buyer can rest and relax and be at ease. He goes, I'm in the hands of somebody who knows what he's doing. Right? I don't have to be hyper-vigilant. And, and uh, search for all these red flags or, or uh, I can just sit back and listen to the product story and appreciate it. I don't have to be uh, self-aware or, or look for micro signals that this guy might be real. This guy's real. He's a professional. So those are things that I'd like to see uh, uh, salespeople do when they come in and present. Thank you, Tony. We're talking with Oren Claff. He's my guest today on Biz Locker Radio. Brought to you, by the way, by the Business Locker Room and Rehearsal VRP. We'll tell you more about them later in the show. And by the way, the third segment of the show today, as we always do, the X's and O's segment. Miles Austin will join me. And hey, if you're joining us on Blab, it's great to have you aboard as well. Again, we've interviewed uh, Oren before, and it was absolutely fantastic. His book is called Pitch Anything. And you'll want to find a copy at pitchanything.com. Well, after you've set it all up and you've got that frame control, you've got that status, now we've got to start presenting our product. And you have a whole lot in the book about the ways in which we deliver that presentation so that we continue to get that, that tension 
and create that satisfaction. Kind of walk us through some of the pieces. Yeah, so I think, uh, but, you know, buy the book, pitch anything. It is great. We read it around here still, even though I wrote it, <laughs> you know, uh, and so <laughs> it, because it's, it's got templates, it's got Mad Libs, it's got fill in the blank. It is not just a, you know, a bunch of silly stories about selling. It is a how-to manual to do this stuff correctly. Sure. But then, so rather than read people the books, they get the Audible or they can uh, download it. I think let's focus on one thing that's doable, right? And moving into a sales presentation, if you can give the buyer some insight about their business or the industry that you're in, that they find new and interesting, right? You immediately earn their respect, and that means you have high status, and you got their attention, and they will ascribe the things you say. They will believe the things you say as more true than other salesmen, right? Because most people feel like they're experts in their business. Let's say, uh, uh, I mean, we can use an example. Let's say you're selling a software accounting system to a car dealership. Right? It's a BMW dealership. And, and you say to that guy, uh, you know, one thing about the car industry that we see happening is that um, the, uh, uh, the government is going to increase emissions twice as tight as previously thought. Mm -hmm. right? And that car dealer didn't know that. You've, let him know, you've given him some insight about his business. It might not necessarily be about accounting software. Right? Or the government is going to increase audits three times faster than they have on car dealerships in the past. That's something he might not have known, but he would find very interesting and valuable. So if you can add insight to that guy about his business, his respect and interest and desire to work with you is going to go way up. Because what most people do is they come in and they state the obvious, which is if you get a better accounting system, you can do your business more cheaply, you'll catch more errors, and you'll have be less inclined to get an audit. He already knows that, right? So if he came to a meeting with you, and you're telling him things he already knows, your status is going down. Right. Right? So that's one thing is provide insight. I think the second thing is give, uh, give buyers credit for being smart, right? You don't have to overstate the obvious. Um, and, and, and that's, a, I think, a huge problem we see happening is that sellers don't give uh, buyers credit for understanding the internet, for uh, you know, being technologically savvy, for understanding a bunch of the trends, and they waste their time explaining things that are already known. And uh, you know, that does nothing that, other than lower your status because the buyer goes, I came to this meeting, learned things already new. That doesn't really help me. Yeah, that's great stuff for Warren Claff. Hey, we're going to take our first time out. Uh, we're live not only on Blab, but we're all, also live on Voice America. This is episode number 76 of Biz Locker Radio. We're going to take a quick time out. We come back on the other side. We'll get deeper into it with Warren Claff. We'll kind of investigate this thing he calls neuroeconomics and find out why it's so important to what you do as a sales guy. I'm Kelly Riggs. Follow me on Twitter at Kelly Riggs. Find us at bizlockerradio.com. I'll be back right after this break. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
Kelly Riggs is an author, a highly acclaimed speaker, and a sales strategist and leadership coach. Now in his ninth year as founder and president of the Business Locker Room, Kelly has written two books, One-on-One Management, What Every Great Manager Knows That You Don't, and Quit Whining and Start Selling, a step-by-step guide to a Hall of Fame career in sales. Both are available on Amazon or at bizlockerroom.com. For more information on hiring this two-time National Salesperson of the Year to speak at your next event or to train your leadership team, visit bizlockerroom.com. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. Hi, I'm John Spence, one of the top 100 business thought leaders in the world, and you're listening to the Business Locker Room with Kelly Riggs. Hey, welcome back. Biz Locker Radio. We are uh, live on Blab as well. Great to have you there if you're joining us. But uh, every single week we do this, we have some of the best business minds on the planet right here. Guys like the guy brought us right back in on the rejoin, John Spence. Absolutely phenomenal book called Awesomely Simple. And you're going to check that one out. And over the past several weeks, we've had some of the most incredible guests you could imagine. And a lot of brand new books coming out as well, which leads me to ask, Oren, new book? You got anything coming? Yeah, I got a book. I got a new book coming. Uh, so, you know, books take, and when you put a book out, it takes a long time, but I got a great new book coming. It's going to be fun. Oh, man, I'm stoked. When's it going to come out? Uh, it's <laughs> this time next year. <laughs> I know what that means. I know yes. exactly what that means. You try to write a book, it's like, oh my God, I, I know I could do this if I only had some time. Yeah. Hey, you, you know, I've talked to a lot of people since our first show. We've talked about the interview. We've talked about the book. And they're just amazed at how the psychology of sales plays such a huge role in being successful. I can remember as a young guy, Oren, I, I thought selling was a debate. You know, if my product was better than yours and I could present it better than you could, Feature, 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 my benefits, how it benefits your company. I thought I'd win, but the challenge was I was losing deals. I had no business losing. And what I began to realize is there's way more to this selling game than I ever dreamed of. Of course, that's three decades ago now, but psychology plays such a huge role in the success of salespeople, but very few people get that. So, I, yeah, I mean, I think if, we, if, if uh, one thing that I find very interesting, if I meet 100 salespeople, 100 of them, when they introduce a feature, will then immediately explain why that feature, feature benefit, feature benefit. Yes. Right? It, what I believe buyers want today is what it is without any editorial benefits, expository explanation color. Because that's what that's where buyers get frustrated is, yeah, yeah, I know the benefits are great and we'll get there, but I need to understand fully what it is without selling. I'll let you sell me. No problem. I understand you're a salesperson. I'm a buyer. I will let you sell me and you can sell your butt off, right? But please tell me what it is first. 
what exactly in black and white it does. See, I, I, I um, see some great sales presentations and some great uh, uh, charismatic salespeople, but the buyer, by the end of the presentation, doesn't fully understand the product in black and white. So, right. so, so I think a, a, an area of improvement is the discipline to describe what it is and how it works without selling value proposition, teaching color, editorial aggrandizement, and uh, uh, superfluous exposition. Yes. Hey, we've got a question from Frank Clark. And Frank, I'll get to you in just a second here on Blab. I want to have Oren answer your question, but you raise a good point. And that is, as salespeople, we live in this world all day long with our product. This is what we do all day. We've made this presentation a thousand times. We think every client, prospect, customer, they know it just like we do. So we tend to skip a lot of steps in getting to where they've never even been yet, right? Exactly. And that, that's why we provide an audit for people. And you just need, you know too much about your own product, about yourself, your service, your industry, your company, in order to decide how to pitch it. You need a third party to audit what you're doing and say, you know, here's where it's too long, here's where it's confusing, and here's where it's structured incorrectly. So, for example, we see a lot of people come in and they start the presentation, hey, our, we, our software is able to save you 33% over a two-year period, and it costs you nothing in the first three months, right? Those are, um, that's a solution, right? And so what we would say is that instead of opening the presentation with that, it probably belongs 70% down the road. Right. A lot of things have to happen before you explain the features, right? Um, why you guys belong in the world, how the industry in the world is changing, providing some insight, how you're busy, where your place in the industry is, you know, some, uh, some ideas, and why it is so hard to solve the problem that you solve and why your company has stuck it out when other companies failed in order to get at this solution. Then you introduce the solution. So in terms of psychology, getting the problem well ahead of the solution. And when you do introduce the solution before selling it, running down exactly what it is in black and white. Yeah, I liken it to watching a movie backwards. You see the last scene first, and then you got to go back and figure out how the movie started. Yeah, yeah, okay, right, right, yeah, yeah. I think that's, I think that's great. So, so in human psychology, people um, will allow you to sell mm -hmm. once they know what it is. They're frustrated when you're selling before they know what it is, and that's what causes a lot of uh, negative tension between buyers and sellers. Is is you know they want to authentically the buyer wants to authentically make a decision. They just can't because you're you're telling them all this great stuff but you don't know the facts yet frank clark coach on blab says this he says i'm excited about the new book can you describe a tough pitch that seemed to be falling apart where you were able to turn it around using the tools that you present in pitch anything well that's a great question all right so uh, the answer to that is no and yes i don't get myself into tough pitches i prepare ahead of time Right. Right. And I give a great pitch that follows the structure that is well rehearsed and we know is presentation quality. We just don't go in and where you find yourself in tough situations is like this, what you and I are doing, right? We're not prepared. I don't have a script. You know, you ask me a question, I gotta try and come up with a good, reasonable, well framed answer. 
I don't go into sales presentations and just wing it, right? We go in with something that we've practiced, that's prepared, and we know meets both. Uh, it can be done in a very short time period, certainly less than 20 minutes, and we know is attractive because we've tried it, um, you know, on other people in the industry, on ourselves. We've had other people look at it. So I don't get myself into tough situations because I prepare. Yeah, interesting. Hey, have you, what's your most memorable pitch that you felt like? You know, you describe one in the book that you get really down to the end and you're not sure if it's going to work out well, because you're battling this guy back and forth for frame control, right, and status. Yeah, there, there's a great one. I'll, uh, I'll tell you one that's not that public and I haven't written about it. I'm not sure I can write about it because it you know, belongs. There's a lot of details. But I was at a, uh, a big venture capital group in their conference room overlooking the San Francisco Bay. You know, the, the, the conference room itself is bigger than most people's offices. And uh, I started giving the pitch on behalf of a company, got about 10 minutes into it, and the head of the firm said, stop, enough of this. This is a professional mercenary. If we continue to listen to Orrin explain this pitch, of course we're going to buy it, right? <laughs> I need him to sit down, and I want to see the CEO of the company, the guy I'm going to give the money to, to give the pitch, right? Because this silver-tongued devil, of course, is going to – is going to sell us anything. We're going to be, you know, ordering uh, ice cubes and living in Alaska if we let this go on for another 20 minutes. I can't take it anymore. We need to hear from the company, not from this prepared presentation. Oh, that's wild. How did you respond? I, they, you know, they're the boss. They ordered me around to sit down and uh, let the CEO do it, and it went much worse. <laughs> of course, but you know, it really raised you raise an interesting point, and that is practice. Um, times at bat. Let's it, times at bat. It's amazing how few salespeople practice. So, so what we want to do is we want to be in our on our laptop in Starbucks or at our house, and we want to make the perfect PowerPoint, and we want to look online, and we want to find the perfect thing. We want to. That's all internal. You just got to get out there and take swings, and it's hard. I'll tell you one of my first big pitches. Uh, I, was a, a big real estate development and it was on the phone to a couple hundred analysts, investors, and uh, representatives. All right? I prepared it. I knew it up and down. I knew well I could do it in front of the mirror. I didn't need my notes. It wasn't on live video like this so I could read. I get on the phone and the moderator, of course, I didn't rec realize this would happen, muted me. Okay, So there's no feedback. So I'm giving this pitch, I'm telling jokes, and just going into dead air. I don't know if people have just left. I don't know if they're buying Jeeps on eBay. I don't know if they're laughing at the jokes, right? And it, it just completely threw me off. I stumbled, but I had to get there. You know, you got to get, you got to take reps with the presentation you have to get better. I know it's terrifying. We're, and, and, and you're going to blow up customers, right? I mean, I've blown up billion-dollar deals and made people really unhappy. You know, and you learn from those. But you got to get reps. You got to try your hardest. You got to prepare for it, and you got to accept you're going to lose deals you could have won. And and that's where great salespeople come from. Hey, let's go back to the beginning of your career somewhere. I assume that, like a lot of us, you didn't arrive fully formed. This was something you developed over time, and right? Yeah, that was terrible. Really? That's what I want to hear about. How did you start to develop these ideas? Where did they come from? Was it just enough reps that you began to see those patterns? Or did you get influenced by someone? Did you have a mentor? Yeah, yeah I had a partner. Uh, you know, we call him a mentor who, who knew this stuff. 
right? And so what he would do is he would throw, we'd have a deal, right? Where, for example, we would need, in order to sell a company, we would need, say, 15 buyers, right? Mm -hmm. uh, each, you know, putting in, say, $500,000 each. And we had to do it by a deadline or we wouldn't have the, the debt to close it, right? And so he would, when a buyer started giving him static, asking him lots of questions, questioning the veracity of our numbers, he would say, stop. Right? The numbers are solid. This is the paperwork. This is the deal. Nothing's changing. The timeline is whatever, January 15th. If that doesn't work for you, you're out. And I would say, I've never encountered that before. Why would we ever say that? Because I could still work with him and convince him and overcome each of these little points. There's no need to go to that level. Right. But he showed me, you have to go to that level. The buyers have to know that you're a high-status individual. The buyers have to know that the train is leaving the station with or without them on it. We don't need their money, their coal to fire the engine of the train. Like at Amtrak, it leaves at 321. Right? You don't call Amtrak and say, hey, listen, 321 doesn't really work for me. How about 325? No, the train leaves at 321. You come or go as you please. So once I saw him doing that, and I saw buyer after buyer after buyer going, okay, no problem, no more questions, I understand, I'll close. And so, so we'd lose some every once in a while. A guy would go, you can't talk to me like that, I'm out, I'm, right? Um, I'm mad that you said that. But what, what I learned over time is the guys who got mad when you said, look, this is the deal, this is when we're going to close, if it doesn't work for you, I understand, but you're out. And we'll do it with someone else. The people who overreacted to that never had the money, never had any intent to close, weren't real guys, or were just going to be a pain in the butt the whole way through. So that is a fair way to be in business when you're selling. Listen, we've met a couple times. I've showed you the features. I've showed you the benefits. We did the demo. I gave you the customer references. At this point, what we need to do is spend another week comparing notes, taking it to committee, getting yes or no. Yeah, I, I think that's interesting because what I found is similar is there's always the oddball extreme, right? There's always somebody that's going to get offended or whatever the case may be. But most business people are business people and they get it. As long as you don't come across as some arrogant piece of crap, then they're fine with that and they understand we're both in business. Well, I think, I think what happens is uh, what people can misinterpret as arrogance is, is if you say, look, this is normal in our industry, right? Right. We meet, we write a specification, we give the specification to the technical people, they ask some questions. After 30 days, we put a scope and a budget on it, and within two weeks of that, we decide yes or no. Companies um, that can't observe that timeline, there's something going on. They don't have the budget, they um, are, are uh, thinking about sticking with their technology for another year. So in my experience, these things take about, you as a salesperson can say, in my experience, in a normal situation, these things take about 45 days. Is there anything in your company that doesn't feel normal about this process, right? And so I think that can tie people into saying, hey, no, we're normal. That makes sense. Now you have a timeline you can work with. Sure. Now, it doesn't change much when you start talking about selling uh, uh 
a regular type of item. You know, I've got regular clients and I'm out trying to build my territory and I'm calling on new people and maybe I'm selling paint, you know, and I've got a great paint line and I've got some great sealants and I've got some things that I, that I sell. And I go call on a construction guy or contractor and he's one of those hard-boiled guys, you know, get to the bottom line, what's your price, that kind of thing. Principles are all pretty much the same though anyway, aren't they? Yeah, well, I think with those guys, you know, way to get control over them is say, listen, in my company, we have 20 contractors that we deal with all the time. And in reality, they order and they take up all of our volume, right? My boss and I, we decided to take 20% of my time to go out and meet new and interesting people. So we're not selling to the same 20 people over and over again and grow, right? So I'm taking a little bit of time to share some amazing products with new and interesting people who we might do business with, right? If you want to know about the best paint, uh, what, um, you know, what some of the modern paint technologies are, what the current leadership is, what other paint companies are doing, that's me. I know more about this than anybody. If you're too busy, you're buying this stuff at Costco or Home Depot and you're happy with that, I totally understand we're busy. Which is it? Which works for you? Want to meet somebody who knows this stuff, meet a new vendor, find out about some new paints, or you're just happy getting this stuff cheap from Costco, from uh, Costco let me know which you are. So you paint that high contrast uh, scenario. Yeah, that's really interesting because you're as much as qualifying them out as you are qualifying them in. And when you only have a certain amount of time, that's a good thing. Well, yeah, they go, hey, look, we're never going to pay more than $10 a bucket. We love getting it from Home Depot. We don't care what the new paint color ways are for the season. We don't care what the new weather protection technologies are. We just want it cheap and fast. Why pursue them anyway? So let them select. A big part of what you do, Orrin, inside of these big multi-million dollar pitches is you create a sense of intrigue or even mystery about whether or not they can get involved and what the prize is going to be at the end of the day. You talk a lot about prizing and so forth. Explain that concept. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we hit on it a little bit. Uh, prizing comes a couple times into the – first of all, when it starts, right? We said, sure. hey, uh, I'm super busy. We're – this is a time of year that my time gets short. A lot of people want are pulling on me, and I'm glad we could find some time to, you know, we talk about that. That's prizing 101, right? Um, later on in the presentation, prizing you know, goes like this. You've given your presentation, and you say, hey, you can see why our paint, why whatever it is, our, our software is so popular, right? It, and in fact, if you handed me a check for $100,000, I'd have to give it back to you. There's lots of questions I need answered about you, right, before we decide to go into a big order together. Um, <laughs> Their head's exploding. <laughs> yeah. They're like, what? Right. right. So, so now they want to earn spending time with you because if you just say, hey, listen, that's what I have. Would you be interested in an order? They know they have you. And now they're going to, it sounds interesting, and they want to go check on the internet for the same thing for a cheaper price. Right. Right. If, if they're busy trying to earn uh, the chance to do business with you, then they're not out checking the internet for different pricing with most of their time. Okay, so, so that's pricing is, is uh, to let salespeople know, hey, I want to work with you. I think we will be a good fit together from what I know, but really, I don't know enough. Okay, so for example, you know, using the paint, I need to know some of your disposal procedures because we cannot have our paint show up in the water system. 
because then the government comes to us and says, hey, you didn't vet your customers correctly, you know, it's not XYZ compliant, so we need to know what your disposal procedures are, right? But if we can get past that, yeah, we should be great at working together. Yeah, that's interesting, because the first thing that anybody wants to do when all they have is information in the front part of the brain, that crocodile brain, is they simply want to know what your price is. That, yeah, that's right. So, and this is another, you know, we talk about human psychology. If you start with information about what it is, the features, what the benefits are, the next thing is price. It's a very short sales presentation. You know, otherwise you're just talking about football and the weather, you know, rain today, what's going to happen in the election. Uh, Donald Trump, once again, is acting crazy, right? Those, but that's, <laughs> that's, you know, if you're talking about that stuff, you're not in a sales presentation. You're filling time because they've already decided what they're willing to pay. Right, right. Hey, I can't believe we're out of time already. I mean, you're the fastest interview I've ever done, two times in a row now. It just flies by. But hey, before you get away, uh, I was on your website tooling around, and you've got Pitch Mastery, something that you're selling, you're providing to your clients. Tell the people listening in, watching on Blab, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so uh, um, really quickly, I think salespeople think if I have a better close, I will sell more. And we don't think that's correct. We think right. there's five steps to the sales process. One is reaching out to the potential client in an email, getting on that first phone call, then exchanging some information, setting a meeting, and giving a pitch, right? And if you do better at each one of those, then your conversion rates will go way up. So I think if you make 100 outbound, and today you're getting one or half, mm -hmm. right? It, improving each, at each step, making a big improvement in the way that we've talked about here, that same hundred will go six sales, right? Instead of a half sale, right. and that's what we show people. We show people exactly how to make that conversion improvement, and that's called pitch mastery. Hey, he's the uh, author of Pitch Anything. You can find him at pitchanything.com. Highly suggest you get on his website. Follow him on Twitter as well at Pitch Anything. Brand new book coming in like a year. <laughs> so we'll look forward to seeing the brand new book, and we'll have you back on. Hey, can't thank you enough, man. Good stuff. Thanks, Kelly. Yeah, I'll see you again soon. For All right, it's Biz Locker Radio. We're going to take our final time out. We'll come back on the other side. My good buddy up in Seattle, Miles Olson, will join us. We'll do the X's No segment. We'll talk about a brand new productivity tool that you can use to change the way you do your work. One of those changes uh, we're going to talk about today, Quora.com. Come. That one's been around a while, so we're going to see what Miles is doing with that. Hey, stick with me. We'll be back on the other side of the break. I'm Kelly Riggs, and this is BizLocker Radio. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. Kelly Riggs is an author, a highly acclaimed speaker, and a sales strategist and leadership coach. Now in his ninth year as founder and president of the Business Locker Room, Kelly has written two books, One-on-One -on -one Management, What Every Great Manager Knows That You Don't, and Quit Whining and Start Selling, a step-by-step -step guide to a Hall of Fame career in sales. Both are available on Amazon or at bizlockerroom.com. For more information on hiring this two-time National Salesperson of the Year to speak at your next event or to train your leadership team, visit bizlockerroom.com. Are you feeling slammed and suckered in today's stock market? If so, then you need to tune in to Profitable Investing with Jordan Kimmel. Every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, Jordan Kimmel will train you in what you can do to beat up the big boys on Wall Street, as well as share his secrets to success so that you can buy and sell like a profit-pumping pro. 
Grab the bull market by the horns and listen to Profitable Investing with Jordan Kimmel every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the bottom line in business talk, Voice America Business. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. This is Dan Walshman, and you're listening to the Business Locker Room Show with Kelly Riggs. Hey, welcome back to Biz Locker Radio. Great to have you all on board. We jump into the X's Note segment with Miles Austin. And you've not lived until you've t- tried to do a radio show with a one-second delay hearing yourself over and over. I mean, it, it's really distracting. But I'm a trained professional. Don't do this at home. Miles, how you doing? I'm doing good, buddy. How about you? Oh, so I got to get an echo from you as well. <laughs> it just gets worse and worse. Hey, last week, uh, what did we talk about? You I remember? remember? I think it was the Seahawks. The Seahawks. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You know, we talked about Todoist. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm, na- I'm now a regular user. There yeah, you go. It's, it's habit forming. There's no question. Oh, it's a uh, great tool. I love it. I love it. Well, this week you've got Quora.com. Now, this is this is a legacy kind of product. I remember Quora from way back, right? Absolutely. It's been, I used to use it all the time when I first started using LinkedIn. But yeah, it's been around a long time. And, you know, I, I very honestly, I think it reminds me a lot of podcasting, where podcasting was a hot thing five, six years ago. And then it kind of went out of favor and people kind of forgot about it because there's video and blogging and everything else. And now podcasting is back bigger and, and uh, better than ever. Um, I, I've watched Quora just kind of come right back in front of me in my social streams. Um, and it's, there's some people that I have a lot of respect for. Some of your past guests, in fact, I know like Trish Bartuzzi is all over Quora um, for two main reasons. Um, and we, you just talked about them with, with Oren and some of our guests were adding information. Um, social proof and authority, building that authority, that reputation as an expert in your field, both of those are prime examples for the value of Quora.com. All right, so tell us about it. Tell me what it is. Well, I mean, you know, here's what I remember. I think maybe some of the listeners probably remember this. It wasn't too many years ago when LinkedIn used to have a feature called the questions and answers section. And what they had was the ability, so if I'm, I'm sitting down and maybe let's say an example is a real life current example, I need to create a compensation plan for an inside sales team. I've never done it before. Where do I go to get that kind of advice? I'd like to go and ask that question. So you go to Quora, you literally log in, create your account if you don't have one, and you'll go in and you'll simply type that question in and wait for the millions of people that participate in Quora to give you their input and their answers. Huh. And so why, has, why the resurgence now? Why do you think it's coming back? Well, I think two things. First of all, LinkedIn and all their brilliance wiped out the program. So that doesn't exist anymore. And I will go into the LinkedIn scenario. Uh, but I think what's happening is it's just what people have started to realize is just because a tool's been around for a while... Um, and there's newer, cooler types of things out there, this is still valuable. And I think people will always revert back to value over Flash. And I think what people have started to discover again is that Quora 
is one of those tools. It's just there. It serves a great purpose. As an example, you know, I do most of my career. I've spent most of my time working with with tools. Um, I have four different categories that I track within Quora. I track sales, social media, small business, and technology. Those are the four keywords, if you will, or categories that are most important to me. Now, you can find all sorts of stuff in here, but um, as an example, during tax time, there's a whole lot of interesting commentary on different questions and tips and things for taxes. But using the one I'm just looking right now, my top stories for the day, one of the questions that was out there is, what are the top B2B software tools for sales teams in 2015? Gee, you think I might have some input into that? Do you think I might like to add my voice to that and maybe give them some links to some information that might be relevant? Absolutely so. Here's one that I really smiled about because it highlights one of your past guests, just recent guests. One of the questions was, what are the latest 2016 trends in inside sales? And guess what? Trish Bertuzzi has an answer that she just put up there. Wow. So, again, you have an ability. That's her expertise. That is where her depth of knowledge and her experience is. And it's great for her to share that experience with people that are asking those kinds of questions. Two things happen. You can vote or favorite those responses from those that are giving you great and valuable feedback. That's adding to your authority. It's adding to your social proof. And you build followers based on that within Quora. So even though a lot of times I think people maybe make a decision about, well, I'm not sure that's going to be of help to me or why would I waste my time? Because in most professions, your expertise that you have, and all of us, I believe, have that expertise at some level within our industry, share it with others and they will respond by likes and followers and it'll help you build your social authority and your social proof. They call him the web tools guy. He's Miles Austin. You can find him online at fillthefunnel.com. Follow him on Twitter at Miles Austin. So it's interesting because in all the web searches that I do, you know, using Google or whatever the case may be, I, I don't remember seeing Quora as a respondent. Is there a reason for that? Um, yeah, probably. The truth is it's coming up more and more again. I think, again, um, you're going to find it there. Uh, I find many times the, the top answer is uh, the top response in the listings in Google, as an example, or Bling or Bing or whatever you want to use, is in fact a Quora answer. Um, mm. They're getting better at it. They're getting, you know, they're figuring it out, and with all the changes that continue to happen in SEO, but absolutely they are. I mean, here's an example. I, I, I'm a, I love watching some of the cooking shows and the, the reality shows of the different uh, chefs and things. One of the questions that came up just now, and I'm looking at it, I just came in 11 hours ago. Why don't the restaurants tidy up before Ramsey arrives for shooting kitchen nightmares, right? Interesting commentary. It's, just, it's kind of fun. It's kind of lighthearted. It gives you some insight that maybe you wouldn't have in any other way. Um, some people look at this as maybe a, a, a huge worldwide mastermind for a specific topic. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. If I'm a sales manager, inside or outside sales manager, VP of sales or something like that, it becomes a forum where I can get best practices communicated uh, from a variety of people all over the country, right? Absolutely. And what's interesting is this is a perfect format where people are giving back to their industry. There's no charge for Quora. There's no fees involved. You're not going to go out and make a living on Quora, but you might have an increase in your activity and your success based on your participation in Quora. So as an example, one of the ones I just uh, that I had responded to a while back was, what's the best way of getting traffic to a newly built website? 
How many, how many of us ask that question? I've got my website. I've got my blog. What are, some, what are some best practices for getting maybe new, innovative ways to get traffic to your site? Who's not going to want to learn from that? Yeah, that's good, really good stuff. Miles Austin, as we do X's and O's here on BizLocker Radio, haven't mentioned you can find us at bizlockerradio.com. And we have got a lot of fantastic guests coming down the road, by the way. I'll tell you about some of those. But before I do that, let me tell you about some of the ones we've had in the past. And I really want to highly suggest that you go find us on iTunes. You'd be surprised at the amount of things you'll learn from Miles alone. Forget the guests that I have on, which are fantastic. But Miles, every week, has got a great tool for us to use, something that you can use to improve your business. And we're going to talk a little bit more about Core and how you can use that as a salesperson or a small business owner. But recently, I had Jeb Blunt on. He just released his brand new book, Fanatical Prospecting, instant classic. I had Mike Weinberg on, his brand new book, Sales Management Simplified, instant classic, absolutely phenomenal book. Mark Hunter, Trish Bertuzzi, Joe, Joe Polizzi, and we go back a ways, had Jeffrey James, the great ink columnist. All of those shows, all 76 or 7 of them, available on iTunes and at bizlockerradio.com. Hey, Miles, I'm the average uh, sales guy. I'm not a manager. I'm not a business owner. Any place for me on Quora? Absolutely. Um, just like some of our listeners today on on. Uh the uh, podcast and on Blab, they're asking questions. How would you handle X, right? If you go look in sales, just go go type in that category and search down. You're going to see all sorts of questions that are basic fundamentals. What do I do when a client continues to not show up for my meetings? Or um, how do you get past someone who's preventing me from contacting? There's tons of these things out there. The one that I find really helpful a lot is maybe I'm new in that role or maybe I'm an old pro. Maybe, Kelly, like you, you're an author. You want to, you want, you're working on a new book. Mm-hmm. Why not ask a worldwide audience questions that the answers to will help move you along in whatever process you're engaged in? It's really, really interesting stuff. Cora. Dot com q u o r a dot com and I was uh, I'm looking for my book because I wanted to tell you about next week's guest Miles Mark Roberts will be back with us he's the author of the Sales Acceleration Formula he's the CRO of HubSpot he took this company from zero to a hundred million dollars in a very short amount of time best practices in terms of sales management hiring training salespeople all of those good kinds of things but what you're suggesting is Quora could be a part of that training process, right? Absolutely. I think it's a fantastic training process, especially for the questions that you really, you're stumped by, or you just, you've never maybe had a a specific situation come up in a sales call. Um, You're not going to get an answer instantly to help you out if you're live in that sales call, right? But again, it's a great tool to learn from. And what is amazing to me is I think we always underestimate, there's a lot of people out there that are really good at what they do, that are more than willing to help you answer the questions and give you some guidance to help you in your career. Absolutely. He's Miles Austin, fillthefunnel.com. Hey, I've got 60 seconds. You're headed out uh, east for something really important this week. Give us a quick uh, ad. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, we're going out to uh, Washington, D.C. We've got an event in Tyson's Corner um, this Friday with uh, Anthony Inarino and Mark Hunter and Jeb Blount and Mike Weinberg and John Spence and I. Uh, we're spending a full day with about 250 salespeople, sales leaders, live event, morning till night, 
packed with workshops and keynote speeches and everything else. Uh, it's going to be a great event, and uh, if you want to learn more, you can zip over to my website. Uh, but you got to grab a ticket. I think we're, if we're not sold out, we're really, really close. Yeah, that's great stuff. Well, hey, it's great to have you for this episode of BizLocker Radio. We got this one in the can. Hey, next week, Mark Roberge. You can find uh, the uh, podcast at bizlockerradio.com. And that's going to do it for today. Thanks to Michael Surgit on the other side of the glass, making me sound way better than I am. Thanks to Brandy Jackson, our executive producer. To Miles Austin, also to Oren Clough. You can find him at pitchanything.com. This is Locker Radio on Voice America. I'm Kelly Riggs. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in to Biz Locker Radio with Kelly Riggs. For more compelling interviews and cutting-edge business content, make sure you join us here again next week. Biz Locker Radio airs every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, and 3 p.m. Central Time on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information, visit bizlockerradio.com. Remember, business is a competition. Play to win. Biz Locker Radio is presented by the Business Locker Room. All rights reserved. Opinions expressed by guests on the show may not be the opinions of Business Locker Room Incorporated.